Good morning. I love that song. You'd be surprised. I might just start singing it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, I love singing that song. I love repeating that verse as well. All right. So my name is Samuel Williams. I help lead the campus ministry here at Alpha Omega. Let's go. Ayo. Woo. We'll work on that. Um, but that includes University of Pittsburgh, Carnegie Mellon, Carnegie Mellon University, Slippery Rock University. Is that thing called it? Let's go. And uh, the School of Life. School of Life. Let's go. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be taking you away from our regularly scheduled program in Luke and bringing you to John. And I'm going to talk about life to the full. Our campus ministry theme this year is life to the full. And so I'm only 24, so I can't really tell you what that is like fully, but I can tell you how that gets started. How are we able to have life to the full? And I think Jesus shares that in John chapter 10. Open your Bibles to John chapter 10. Come on, y'all. Happy to be here. Love to share the word. Alrighty, so before John chapter 10, we have 8 and 9. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so in chapter 8, we have a woman caught in adultery, right? And the Pharisees bring the woman to, the, to Jesus' feet and says, This woman was caught in adultery. The law says that we should stone her, right? And Jesus says, Okay, which one of you is without sin? Throw the first stone. And then, in John chapter 9, we have a man born blind, and Jesus sends him away with mud on his eyes to go wash his, his eyes in the water uh, on the Sabbath, and he receives his sight. And then, next thing you know, the Pharisees, Jesus, the law, kick him out of the temple because this was the Sabbath day, and he's breaking the law. So what those two things have in common is that the shepherds, the Pharisees, right, mistreated these people. They did not give them the opportunity to live life to the full. Right? And in John chapter 10, Jesus uses the allegory to show that he is a true shepherd, and these Pharisees are the false shepherds that do not allow the sheep to live life to the full. Alright, so let's get started. John chapter 10. <clears throat> let's go. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way as a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, for the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That sounds familiar, right? The false shepherds are about to kill somebody. Steal the opportunity for them to be in temple. Right? 
I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pasture or this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by demons. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Whew! That's a lot, right? But yeah, so we're going to start off with the first, the first verse. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. So my first question is, what is a sheep pen? Right? And so what I did was I Googled this and said, what is a sheep pen? And a sheep pen is basically a plot of land owned by somebody that has a fence around it, and you, you store your sheep in it, basically. Right? And so before, when I read this verse, I used to think, oh, the sheep pen is heaven, right? And there's people trying to get into heaven, and they're not supposed to be in heaven. But actually, it actually symbolizes ownership. That these is, this is, these are my sheep. I own the sheep in this pen, right? And it's, it's a sense of, um, of belonging to something, being owned by someone, right? And so... There's, a, there's also a sense of there's value here too. These sheep are bought with a price. I own them. And so if somebody's trying to steal them or, or take them away, there's something wrong with that. And Jesus calls these people thieves and robbers. And it's weird because you're thinking, why are you repeating yourself, Jesus, right? Isn't a thief and a robber the same thing? But actually, a thief is someone who steals another person's property especially by stealth and without using force or violence. A robber is a person who takes someone's property unlawfully through force or threat of force. Right? So we have two, two, two kinds of, uh, uh, I, I guess, like robbers here, thieves here. One is stealth and one is um, brute force and with, um, with threats. And so I have, a, I have a story here that explains what a thief would be like. So my, my senior year of college, I was studying the Bible with a, with a guy, a student, and um, he was really into the Word. He was enjoying the Word of God. He was, you know, learning how to become a thief, right? And then slowly but surely, he decided, you know, I want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he gets baptized. We're all celebrating. Wow, we have a new sheep in the pen, right? And he goes home for winter break, comes back and says, Sam, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Well, you've been a week. What happened? What happened? Who, who stole you? 
And he tells me that he talks to a friend of his from high school, and this friend was a friend that he really um, respected and valued as a spiritual guidance in his life, right? And that this, this person told him that, you know what, I actually never believed in any of this stuff. None of, none of this actually meant anything to me. I, mean, I was just here because I like to tell people what they want to hear. And so this is a, a youth leader, right? And he has inspired all these other youth with his faith, but in reality, he was a thief. He was, he was, he was in the flock stealthily and, and stealing the real sheep away from the flock. And so that is a silent but deadly form Um, and so there's a robber as well, right? These are people that come in looking for brute force to the flock. Now, when I became a Christian, I I have friends that weren't necessarily uh, the greatest influences, right? Uh, but they considered themselves Christians as well. And so they're part of the flock in a sense, and they're like, what do you mean, Sam? You can't go to parties anymore? You can't pursue sex with people anymore. You can't do this and do that. I'm a Christian too. And they try to persuade me. They try to tell me, no, no, it's okay. Right? You can listen to me. You can trust me. And I think the thing that, the thing that we have, that these two have in common, right, is that they try to take ownership away from people. They try to take um, your ears away from Jesus. They say, listen to me instead. Follow me instead. I'll tell you what to do. I'll, I'll show you the way. Right? And this is not what Jesus wants. Right? It's not what Jesus wants at all. So my question is, who do you belong to? Who's your shepherd? See, story of the guy that studied the Bible, if you put your hope and your trust in somebody else, right? let's say I put my hope and trust in James. If James decides tomorrow, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore, right? Is that going to affect me and my decision to become a Christian? Right? And having having the solid faith that no, my shepherd is Jesus. James, I love you, but my shepherd is Jesus, right? And so, if James ever left, I am solid in knowing that no, um, James, uh, Jesus is my shepherd, right? If somebody comes to you and says, yo, you better stop becoming Christian or something, shoot me. That is a tough, you know I mean? These are real things. Is my shepherd going to be Jesus in that situation or the person that's trying to stimulate me? It can be, it can be something a little bit more, less intense, like a guy comes in and says, hey, hey girl, I'm a Christian. You know, you're looking really good today. Whoa, I don't know you or where you come from. <laughs> Away from me, you evildoer. Right? And so it's, it's real. We have, to, we have to make sure we know the voice of the shepherd. You know, there's other, other things that can kind of steal Jesus' voice, right? You know, you could be a shepherd of a politician. You could be a shepherd of your parents, right? be a shepherd, uh, or not, a sheep, a sheep of, uh, a sheep of many parents, 
sheep of anything. And a good way to assess who your shepherd is right now is who are you listening to? What are the voices in your head? Right? And what is causing you to take action in your life? One of my biggest shepherds back in the day was my reputation. Back in high school, I was obsessed with being cool. I had to, I had to, be, I had to be everybody's friend. I had to um, wear the cool stuff, and I just couldn't afford it, so I wore the same jacket every day that I thought was cool, right? But it, there was this sense of like I was being led by this voice in my head saying, "You have to be the cool guy. You have to have this reputation," and so. It led me to do things that were less than honorable, right? It led me to hurt different relationships, you know. It's ruthless out there. You know, you, high school, you know what I'm talking about. It's ruthless out there. You know what I mean? It's, it's ruthless. And if you if you follow um, uh, certain shepherds, you're going to get hurt. You're gonna, something, something is going to lead you in the wrong direction. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I will take care of you. I will lead you in the right direction. Um, yeah. Amen? Alright, so let's talk more about the shepherd. So why should Jesus be your shepherd? Right? Because you have a lot of options out there. You can you can be your own shepherd. This is a bad idea, I promise you. Um, you can find some shepherds, you know, from books and different YouTube stars and things like that, but why should Jesus be your shepherd? Uh, so Let's look at John 10, 11 to 21. Jesus says the reasons why he's the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Quick story. So I'm allergic to pets. So my first pet was a fish. And I got this fish my freshman year of college. And I love this fish. His name was Bubbles. And so he had a little bowl and I would feed him every once in a while every other day. I would clean his water out, you know, take him out, put him in. And just really take care of him. But then there came a dilemma. I had to go home for winter break one, one, uh, one semester. And I had no way of taking care of the you know, bubbles while I was gone. So I had to transport bubbles from Pittsburgh to Philly on the Greyhound bus. And so what I had to do was I had to put bubbles in a Ziploc bag, seal them up, and put them in the bag. See, I didn't realize that fish need oxygen too, right? I just thought they need water. I didn't know they need oxygen. And so I put, you know, I put him in there, take him home. I get, I get home. I'm like, I look, oh, he's still swimming around. Bet, pour him into this bowl. And I'm like, oh, awesome. So I feel so bad. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to Mark, get this man some new, some new food, right? You deserve this. After this, after this trip, you deserve this, right? And so I go to Mark, grab some food, come back. Feed him this new food. And I'm like, oh, hey, amen. Look at me. I'm a great owner of this fish. I go to bed, wake up, and I see bubbles just laying on the side. Laying on the side, floating on the top of the water. 
Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Bubbles did not make it. I still don't know if it was the lack of oxygen or if, or if the food I gave him just killed him. I don't know what happened. But he died. And the reason I tell the story is because the quality of your life, your ability to live life to the full, depends on who owns you. Who do you belong to? Right? Now, sadly for Bubbles, he belonged to me. But yes, knowing who you belong to affects how you're able to live life to the full. And David is a great example of this. You know, David in Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down and gain pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. The right paths. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, this is actually really important. Because David is the same David that committed adultery with that sheep. And he's the same David that murdered somebody just so he could commit adultery. That's a double end. Right? So we see here that both of these offenses were punishable by death. Right? And so David deserved to be, even though he was the king, of, according to the law, right? even though he was the king, he was supposed to be killed because of these sins. But this is the same David that says, no, I am going to be with Jesus. Because he is my shepherd. And I want to take you guys back. Jesus says that he would lay down his life for the sheep. Right? So imagine this, right? What does that mean? That means that the things that we do that deserve death, the sins that we commit that deserve death, Jesus says, I am going to step in and take the place of that. Right? And David knew that. He says, even though I have committed all these sins, Jesus, my shepherd, he loves me everlastingly. He will take care of me. He will lay down his life for me. Right? And I think what's interesting here is if I told you, hey, Josh, JP, I'm going to step in and take a bullet for you whenever you need me. Sweet. Right? But after I take that bullet for you, I'm dead. Right? Now, the powerful thing about Jesus is that Jesus has the ability to take this up multiple times, right? Jesus is the only one that has the power to take on death over and over again, in a sense. Does that make sense? Nobody else has power over death like Jesus does. I hope you guys are following me. <laughs> so, there's, there's, there's no shepherd other than Jesus that can take, protect you. And redeem you like Jesus can. He has, he's the only one that has this power. And that's something that, that's the reason why Jesus should be our shepherd. First and foremost, he, one, cares about us, but he's the only one that has the power to be that shepherd. To take his life up and bring it back up again. Amen? So, 
one last story. Um, when I actually let me, let me come back to this one. I've talked about why Jesus should be your shepherd, but how should Jesus be your shepherd? Right? How do you, how do you become a sheep in the flock? And one of the things that Jesus says is that. The gatekeeper opens the gate for me, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And they will never fall since they will run away from him because they do not recognize him. Jesus is saying that if you want to be my sheep, come to me, and I will show you how to get into the gate. Which is also me. It's kind of like a wait, what? And so he's saying that if you want to become a Christian, if you want to become a disciple of me, I will show you the way to do so. So he's not leaving you hanging. He says, "Come, seek my voice, and I will show you how to get into the kingdom." When I was in high school, I was always scared of not being part of Jesus' flock. I didn't know if I was a sheep or not. Am I a sheep? Am I not a sheep? If if you came back today. Am I going to, you know, make it or not? And we know that Jesus cares about us enough because he, he wants us to have that confidence that we are his sheep. He wants us to know that um, we are going to inherit eternal life and be saved. And he says that, hey, if you, follow, if you follow me and seek after me, I will show you how to do this. And so when I got to college, I, was, I wasn't necessarily looking to be a sheep anymore. But... Jesus was still pursuing me. And he gave me the opportunity to study the Bible with James. Thank you, James. And he showed me, hey, Sam, if you want to be my sheep, this is what it looks like. You need to have faith in me. You need to believe in me. You need to repent. You need to come to me when you get baptized. This is how I want you to become my sheep. And that blew me away. And even though I knew it, right, this is what this had to be, in a sense, brought in and loved the shepherd, right? Does that make sense with you guys? I, need, I still need, even though I know this is what it means to be a sheep, Jesus still had to show me that, hey, I am the good shepherd. And so for me, I, when I was praying about it, meditating on whether or not I wanted to be a Christian or not, whether or not I wanted to go all in and become a Christian, I thought to myself, what kind of shepherd is this, right? Because in that moment, I still was thinking about other shepherds, going back to my old life, doing things that were um, necessarily, you know, against the shepherd in a sense. But then when I saw Jesus, I saw that he was one, he was somebody that would actually lay his life down for me, despite the fact that I didn't even fully want to be his sheep. And so, um, when I saw that this is the kind of God, this kind of shepherd that Jesus is, it was such an easy decision to go forward fully and say, yes, I do want to go this way. You are a shepherd that cares enough for me that even if I don't you know, care for myself, even if I um, don't love myself, you love me and so much more. And so I decided to get baptized. I decided that this is the best person to lead me in my life. This is the best person to show me what life in the fold is um, and leading down those paths. Amen?
So just to close out here, um, I urge you, if you are currently a sheep, keep listening to the voice of the shepherd. He will show you life to the full. He will show you his love that allows you to walk freely. The grace of God allows us to walk freely and know that we are loved by God. And if you're, if you're not a sheep, and you don't know if you're a sheep, I encourage you to go looking for Jesus' voice. Ask somebody, what is Jesus saying? Interpret this for me so that I can know what it means to really be a sheep. Amen? All right, yeah. Thank you for letting me share.